to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolph fans? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Winkfield. And on today's show, here we go again. Another season beckons. We're breaking down every single matchup in the Dolphins and Patriots. The opening day rubber match of the last three seasons. We'll tell you about our opponent in depth, how Miami matches up, three uh, some things to watch for, the three keys and everything you need to know for week number one. It is here. So are we. Let's go from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. What is better than opening day? What's better than the feeling of hope, excitement, and anticipation? Those butterflies that you're surely feeling leading up to kickoff on Sunday should be among the most welcomed emotion that you experience. In our life where everything is on a pendulum and things are measured equally in terms of if it can be this great and feel this good, then the opposite can be true too. And that's where those anxiety flutters come from. And you should welcome that because you know damn well that a win on Sunday is going to have you in a fan frenzy. You'll scroll social media with a grin on your face. You'll watch the highlight shows and remaining games on the week one calendar with the perspective about how it impacts your Dolphins and their 1-0 mark on the season and a loss. And you'll feel that dread that can only come from sports fandom. You don't want to put on the TV. You don't want to log on social media. You don't want to see your coworkers on Monday morning. Most of all, I think we're all just so excited to have the best time of year back in our lives. College football is back in full swing. Baseball heading down the stretch run. Go Mariners. Basketball and hockey around the corner. The World Cup kicks off in a month and all is right in the world of sports. The leaves begin to change colors for some of you. And your Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, and Saturdays now have built-in plans for the next five months. Rejoice, guys. We made it. Opening day is upon us. And let's talk about that opener as the Patriots make the week one pilgrimage to South Florida for the first time since 2014, a 33-20 Dolphins victory behind 134 yards and a touchdown from Sean Marino. That was the middle victory of a three-game streak for the home team in games between Miami and New England here at Hard Rock Stadium. And since that 2013 victory, the game that was sealed by a Michael Thomas interception in the end zone, The Dolphins are 7-2 versus the Patriots in that building across the street. Conversely, those records are flipped when these teams face off in Gillette Stadium. So a deadlock at 9-9 dating back to 2013. Miami won there last year and in 2019. The Patriots won here in 2016 and 2019. And so the Pats have already arrived this week as they traveled out to South Florida earlier to acclimate to the weather. And boy, is the weather going to be miserable. The forecast calls for 91 degrees with 68% humidity and a real feel of 102 degrees at kickoff. And that, of course, will be amplified in the sunshine on the visitor sideline and a little bit cooler on the shaded home sideline of your Miami Dolphins. There are scattered thunderstorms expected in the afternoon. It would not be a September Dolphins home game without some thunderstorms in the forecast. You've got a 51% chance of rain and winds out of the southeast at eight miles per hour. So will that 
early arrival and potential weather acclimation benefit the Patriots? Will it have a negative impact? Curious to see how that works out with fourth quarter conditioning. It's going to be a big part of this football game for both sides. So that's the Patriots' literal arrival here. But how about their figurative arrival as we kick off the preview podcast, as we always do, with a brief meet and greet of our opponents. And of course, with the Patriots, they are the in-laws that we see every year, twice a year for the holidays. And this year, instead of subbing out the end of November and December, we sub it out for when the games actually occur. This year, September 11th and January 1st, so also two days in the calendar you'll never forget. But frankly, what the Patriots have done the last two years is really akin to what the last two decades have been. I don't know about you guys, but I sure do recall the number of Patriots run finally coming to an end articles, segments, and bits that we saw over the years. Shoot, speaking of 2014, I recall that Chiefs blowout to drop them to 2-2, two and two, and that was the definitive end of the Patriots, right? Well, no, because they won three championships after that, so counting this team out seems a little bit foolish, foolish, even though a lot has changed for that club up there. And that's what happened, I think, from a lot of folks these last two years. That 2020 roster was depleted for various reasons, with injuries, opt-outs, in-season absences at key positions, quarterback Cam Newton was unavailable for a couple of those games. Still, that team won eight games, no small feat that year, the first year without Tom Brady. Then last year with a rookie quarterback and granted the return of some key parts, a big free agent class and another crop of rookies, they win 10 games and get right back into the postseason. It's just not supposed to happen that way. You don't go from franchise best quarterback all time directly into more success. A few teams have, but the Packers and Colts were anomalies, not the norm. As the Dolphins fan knows, the same way the Broncos fan post-Elway knew, the Bills post-Jim Kelly, the Cowboys post-Troy Aikman, do we have to go on? I don't believe we do. But I'm not saying Mac Jones is that, but the Patriots certainly enjoyed some success in his rookie season. Duplicating that is going to be the challenge for this Patriots team, a Patriots team who enters this season off that playoff year with a roster that has been largely remade the last three seasons. Not exactly uncommon in the NFL. If you look at their unofficial depth chart, on Patriots.com, they list the starters with six guys from that 2021 free agent class, five rookies from these past two free agent classes, and then just about everyone else was acquired in some form or fashion in 2020 or later. Really, it's Devin McCourty, Jawan Bentley, Dietrich Wise, Lawrence Guy, Jonathan Jones, Isaiah Wynn, and David Andrews who don't fall into that category. And then even in the second team portion of the depth chart, and guys you'll figure to see plenty of, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Ty Montgomery, Josh Uche, Marcus Jones, Adrian Phillips, Jabril Peppers, all newcomers within the last three years. So they've reshaped this roster. You know the Patriots are going to play smart. You know they'll be a tough, well-coached team. You know they'll be prepared and have a game plan that challenges our coaches here to their fullest. Now, Belichick did say a couple years ago that at this point in his career, he wants to coach guys that he likes, and it seems like he's gotten the roster full of guys that fit those criteria, tough, smart, disciplined players. It makes for a very intriguing matchup, especially in this instance where we know a lot of the Miami defense is the same from a year ago. Most of the stalwarts I mentioned, you know, five of the seven, in fact, for the Patriots were on their defense as well. So that defense has been has enjoyed a lot of continuity and the defensive systems through both of these teams have been similar throughout the years with flexible fronts, versatile players that allow them to mix it up and call on the rush games and blitzes that both defenses have to offer. Then there's a very strong emphasis 
in the defensive backfield with who you pay, who you draft, the allocated resources to that position on either side that requires you to be seven or eight guys deep in terms of getting significant reps on a game day. Then on the other side, a lot of new on the offense. Josh McDaniels is in Las Vegas, and Matt Patricia takes over as the play caller, while Mike McDaniel takes on the same challenge here for the Miami Dolphins. One last thing before we get to the position-by-position matchups here. I was curious to see Patriots Week 1 snap counts last year, and I'm not entirely sure it's instructive, but my entire goal with these uh, preview podcasts, on top of entertaining you, which I hope we do, is to inundate you with information. And I want you out in that east lot at 9 a.m. with your beer in hand, tossing your bag of corn, rocking solo D on the speakers, telling your tailgate party brethren about the advantage of 12 personnel against Big Nickel and forcing that extra hat in the box, so to speak. Cool? So no surprise in terms of quarterback, offensive line, and DBs. Those are the three spots you typically get 90 to 100% snaps typically 100 for quarterback and offensive line, sans injuries within those games. But last year they had that. Mac Jones and the front five guys played every snap. Devin McCourty and J.C. Jackson, who's now gone with the Chargers, did as well, while safety Kyle Duggar played 93%. But on offense, Jacoby Myers played 99% of the snaps. We'll talk about him in a moment. Aguilar played 85%. John U. Smith and Hunter Henry combined for 109 snaps. That was 73 and 72%. So that was a lot of 12 personnel, right? Damian Harris led the way with 40 snaps. That was 73% among their running backs. And then also Yasir Durant, a sixth offensive lineman, he played 23 snaps 31% of the time with the extra offensive lineman in the game. So it's a different offense, but those jumbo packages are something we've seen a lot of with the Patriots. They did it back in 2000, or the uh, 2020 opener. 2020 sounds weird. Plenty in that game. So again, not sure if it's instructive because they have added at wide receiver this year with Parker and then Tyquan Thornton before the injury, but something to consider. But also their usage of tight ends, backs, and the extra offensive linemen is a good way to get your defensive backs off the field, right? Especially when you had X Byron Needham last year, and we'll have two of those three for this game this year with some newer names in the mix with Noah Igbenogany, Keon Crossan, potentially Cater Kahu as well. But I'm curious to see if that's the plan again, because Henry's snap count went from 67 or from 73 in that game to 67 on the year and Smith down to 47% compared to being over 70% in that opener. Defensively, Judon played 89%, Hightower 78%. think that's pretty typical of your top linebackers in this system. Then it's the same use of depth to rotate guys through, but this is why I was curious to look at this. I wanted to see how much those guys played in week one versus their season percentages and factor in the heat factor down here as well. So game one last year, Godshaw 67% on the season, 60%. So he played more in game one. Uh, Lawrence Guy, 54% in game one, 49% for the season. Christian Barmore, 48% game one, 55% on the season. And then Dietrich Wise, 46 to 48%. So sometimes you test a hypothesis, you don't get a defined result. That's mostly what happened here. But again, I love this because it's just as helpful to learn that your hypothesis was not right. And this one wasn't necessarily wrong. I mean, all but one of those guys saw an increase in their workload the rest of the season. And if that's how you go into week one, really across the league, as you work to get your in-season legs under you, it would seem to me that's quite a benefit to possessing the football longer and running more plays, especially in a game down here in this sweat box. And I do think that's instructive when you look at the four games against the Patriots the last two years. Plays ran in 2020, 
for the Patriots at home, 64 to Miami 62, 75 to Miami 68. One of those games, a loss for the Dolphins, one of them a tight win that probably should have gone to the Patriots late. The games down here, the Patriots ran 72 plays to Miami's 55 back in 2020, and or rather that was flipped uh, 72 for the Dolphins, 55 for the Patriots. That was a runaway, and then the Dolphins 62 to 54 down here in the game last year, another game that was a two-score victory. So when the Dolphins get 10 or more plays in the Patriots, they blow them out of the water. I think that's interesting here that in 2021, the opener went heavily in favor of the Patriots. The Dolphins stole that one. But again, you run more plays in this razor-thin margin between these two kind of similarly built teams, or at least they were previously. I don't think they are anymore. But if you can sustain drives for the Dolphins, I think that really puts you in position to win this game, not just by a close margin, but by a couple of touchdowns as well, because that's what happened. All right, I think that's a good spot for our first break here. We're going to preview each position of this game and break down these matchups. Football season, that's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by Auto Nation. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have... Hair plugs. I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like, check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, you know, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Back here on the Week 1 Dolphins-Patriots preview edition of the Drive Time Podcast. And if it sounds like there's a bit of a pep in my step, that's because there is. We've got football tonight, Bills and Rams. I made my pick for that on the Tuesday podcast, the season preview podcast. We're taking the Rams. Week 1 picks in full coming tomorrow, but we are focused on the game of the week. Well, the Dolphins are always the game of the week around these parts. But I do think it's one of the best matchups on the weekend slate And we start where we always start, the Dolphins quarterbacks versus the Patriots safeties. And the first thing I want to look at here last year was the blitz numbers against Tua with the Patriots defense. In that opener last year, he was only blitzed six times. That produced one sack and a three for five with 28 yards and the lone pick that Tua threw against the Patriots. In that season finale, it was pretty similar. Seven blitzes, four of five, 80 passing yards, no touchdowns and no picks. Will that be the plan again? The Dolphins added a pair of top-of-the-line separators, so that can be an interesting element of this matchup as we zero in closer to the quarterback versus safety matchup here. And Kyle Duggar is my breakout pick for the Patriots, a guy that I think can really keep that defense humming at the level you've expected to get from them year after year. Devin McCourty spends most of his time in the post. Adrian Phillips 
typically a box guy who can kind of buzz some of those crossing routes and make a play if you don't identify him. And then Duggar is the jack of all trades, kind of your Javon Holland type. This group is smart. They're athletic. They're versatile. Makes for a tough matchup. I'm beyond curious to see what it looks like. We made a bunch this summer about Tua's pregame ritual and pontificating the correlation between him making strides in his game from a processing standpoint and finding that third or fourth option in the progression of a given pass play. So to me, finding out where Duggar is going to be is key. The Patriots defense is going to mix it up as well as anybody. I'm sure their brackets will change, their blitz looks pre and post snap will change. But I think that number 23, Kyle Duggar, is a good place to start in terms of IDing where it will all go down. He could potentially be kind of your fullback in terms of that guy will take my eyes to where the play goes. It's been one of the more man-heavy based defenses in the league and the Dolphins have plenty of weapons that can beat man coverage but avoid getting uh, baited or making that mistake by staying on schedule and taking what they give you are all going to be keys for Tua and I think he can play that discipline style of ball that this game could require of him remember the Patriots defense has annually been one of the best scoring defenses regardless of where they finish in total yards allowed on the season. They force a lot of field goals. So that's another key. Can they find the end zone when they penetrate the red zone? A lot of these questions I pose have multiple layers, i.e. how can they run the football? How does design help in those areas? The games last year, Miami punched in both of their red zone visits in the opener, and that was the difference. Can they find success in that area again? If they can, I think you'd get a similar result. For Tua in this game, I think he's going to have a chance to really Just take what the defense gives him and play a highly efficient football game, and that's what I expect out of your quarterback one in this game. A lot of completions, a lot of opportunities to run after the catch, and maybe the occasional vertical shot built in. The receivers and tight ends versus the cornerbacks, and it starts here for me with Tyreek Hill. The Patriots have seen plenty of Tyreek over the years. If you go back to the 2017-2018 seasons, you have the same cast of characters here in this matchup. Hill posted 7 for 133 in a touchdown in 2017 and 7 for 142 in three touchdowns in 2018. In the 2018 AFC Championship game, there was almost no instance of him getting single coverage. Belichick said, forget that, I'm not doing that. And it was Jonathan Jones and Devin McCourty over the top doubling him in that game with that bracket. And he caught one for 42, but there was a ripple effect in that Sammy Watkins, who was invisible all year for the Chiefs, goes off for four for 114. So what does that tell us? Same thing Belichick has been doing to win on defense for two plus decades, using that secondary cornerback and doubling the most productive player and letting your number one cornerback match up with the offense's number two. But that's the beauty of this remade Dolphins wide receivers room. On paper, it looks like a pick your poison situation. And that's where Jalen Waddle comes in as a big factor in this game for me. And you're number two. If he gets a chance to get that single coverage all game, I am going to be thrilled about it because I don't know where the matchup benefits the Patriots if that's the instance, whether it's Jalen Mills, whether it's Jonathan Jones, whether it's a rookie in Jack Jones or Marcus Jones or Miles Bryant. Who knows what happens But that's why you invest so much in Waddle and Tyreek. It's a tough ask for defenses. If you double Tyreek for the first half and Jalen has five catches for 100 yards and a touchdown, you're going to change your game plan? You might have to. Again, you might just have to be multifaceted to crack a Belichick defense. And that's what the Dolphins have here. Reminds me of the Miami Heat in so many ways. The Heat can limit a top scorer, but teams that have multiple options and shooters can take advantage of that. On paper, it's a tough, tough ask. 
And those are the two receivers on the first team on Miami's death chart, by the way. For New England, it's Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills with rookie Marcus Jones, the third, and Miles Bryant, the fourth. It'll be interesting to see how they match up. You've got that speed, but you've also got the size and range of Cedric Wilson and Mike Gesicki, not to mention the rest of the receivers and tight ends who continue the versatility aspect of it all. But I I look at Tyreek and Jalen, they're three cone times and they're 40 times and the way those guys move. Jonathan Jones is a 4-3-3, but he's a 7-2-5 guy. So if you condense one of those guys inside and give them two-way goes, the change of direction disparity stands out. How about the rest of the room? Jalen Mills, 4-6-1. Jack Jones, 4-5-2. Miles Bryant, 4-6-2. Tyreek and Jalen are 4-3 guys. You know, and all three of those guys are under seven-second three cones, not as fast as Jalen and Tyreek. But I like the Dolphins' stylistic matchup here in terms of athletic suddenness, quick twitch to make that move. Those latter three guys have the slower straight line times, but the change of direction is so important measured by that three cone time. It's, it's really tough to gauge these without having, you know, any fresh tape. So we'll keep trucking along into backs versus backers, but I like Miami's receivers in this game at running back and linebacker. It's funny how we always get back to this idea of complimentary football, because with these great game plans, the Patriots have offered authored year after year. The next element that maximizes what an offense can accomplish against them is the run game. Sort of what we mentioned earlier about New England keeping teams out of the end zone. One of the best ways to run a lot of plays, sustain drives, and keep that New England defense out there is to run the football effectively. And if you have Waddle going off in that single coverage and he gets vertical, you have to back a safety off. All of a sudden now the Dolphins running game can get cranking. So all of this stuff works together for Miami. It's a super interesting matchup as the Dolphins trot out this new system for the first time against a defense that hasn't changed its core principles all that much. And of course, Bill Belichick will always tweak, but it's so interesting to me because you have similar defensive styles and per reports out of Patriots camp, they've been installing a similar style running game. So both teams have seen this look in practice. And I went back to the 2020 Niners and Patriots matchup and New England's four turnover sure made it tough on them to get anything going in that game. But the Niners offense gained 467 yards with 37 rush attempts for a buck 97 and all four of their touchdowns were on the ground. And to me, therein lies the rub of that success. Three yard, four yard, 16 yard and seven yard rushing touchdowns. If the Dolphins can run the ball in the red zone that efficiently, boy, they're going to be impossible to defend. It's a big key in this game. Run the ball in the red zone and in general. We don't have a feel yet for how this rotation will work, but the speed, the stretch, getting eyes in the wrong place, maybe some overplay from the Patriots' second level, especially if you can do it successfully, do it late, and get that defense worn down a bit. Ideally, this works in synergy with that passing game to keep them off balance. So how do Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, the two top backs on the, on the depth chart matchup, it's... Jawan Bentley and Matt Judon and newcomer Mac Wilson in that linebacker group for the Patriots. Mac Wilson is a guy you might not be familiar with. He came over last year in a trade from the Browns, formerly of the Alabama Crimson Tide. He played just 73 snaps for the Patriots last year, uh, but in his career, he's got 1,145 off-ball snaps compared to 214 on the line. So he's an off-ball backer, and his specialty is more coverage. Uh, six of eight targets last season for 43 yards, 77 105 for, of 105 for 762 in his career. Those are pretty good numbers for that position with the high percentage throws they see. So he can match up with the backs in the passing game, but Chase Edmonds is... is pretty dynamic. That's an interesting matchup there if that's how it plays out. And then Jawan Bentley, you probably know about him. Similar usage style in terms of 651 off-ball snaps last year compared to 16 on the line. A few scattered elsewhere. The reason I bring this up is because the Dolphins listing of two backs on that opening depth chart in the starting lineup 
can they keep the, the Patriots linebackers on the field in lieu of defensive backs? Because that means you have way more space inside for Tyreek and Jalen's speed to maximize it's their speed. Uh, I'm curious to see how the personnel matches up on either side. The chess aspect of football, my favorite part of this game. Offensive line versus defensive line. This part, the old cliche, it comes down to the trenches, right? Teron Armstead, Connor Williams are new. The Patriots front isn't all that different. Devon Godshaw and Christian Barmore are difficult. Godshaw, you know, can plant inside two gap and clog up the run game with the occasional pass rush. He's a key cog in the middle of that defense. Barmore is a little more of a jack of all trades who can win with quickness, instant penetration, and apply immediate pressure on the quarterbacks. I'm curious to see how they work to scheme out, scheme him out of those opportunities because you got to get him taken care of. He's a, he's a very good pass rusher on the inside, and he can blow up a game quickly. It's interesting in terms of how styles make fights, right? The Dolphins have so much athletic ability, and the Patriots' front has so much size with those two guys and Wise and Guy, <laughs> Dietrich Wise and Lawrence Guy. I'm not just making rhymes here for no reason. Uh, can the quickness win, or will the Patriots inflict their will and boy the Dolphins? Can either side sustain it for four quarters? It's a fascinating part of this matchup. Then you've got the linebacker position with regards to pass rush, and it starts with Matthew Judon. He was on an absolute tear last year for the first 13 weeks of the season, but then his production slowed up a bit. 59 of his 63 QB pressures came in those first 13 games, 30 of his 34 run stops as well. He has an explosive first step and can really, really counter off the initial move. He plays all across the line. They'll move him all over, and when he gets out there versus Teron Armstead, that's a premier-level matchup, and I think Miami can do it job of trying to block him out and make the rest of that rush game much more difficult to execute. Big matchup for Teron Armstead here in his first game with the Miami Dolphins. I think the biggest test for the Dolphins here isn't any one particular matchup, but rather how they communicate and handle all the rush games up front that you know the Patriots will certainly throw at them in this game. I think it's a big part of why you bring in smart veterans like Armstead and Connor Williams to help iron those things out and they get a great test off the bat. All right. Long podcast here so far. I hope you're not listening on one and a half speed. I'm talking plenty fast for you. We have a lot more to go. Pat's offense, Dolphins defense. That's next here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. As we get some games in the bank, we will have data to go along with our matchups here in terms of personnel usage, advanced metrics, all that fun stuff. But today we keep trucking with a very familiar foe and the matchup of these two rivals and go to the other side and start with the New England offense with quarterback Mac Jones and the Miami safeties. It's a fascinating matchup as no team blitz defensive backs last year more than the Dolphins. And on 25% of their snaps against the Patriots, they sent a DB at Max jo- at Mac Jones. Max Jones. The Dolphins were an interesting barometer for the rookie quarterback. He played because he played them in their first game and he played them in their his most recent non-playoff game in week number 18, excuse me. But versus the Dolphins last year in two games, when pressured, 9 for 21, 79 yards, that's 3.76 average, a touchdown and no picks. Not pressured, 40 for 51, 463, that's 8.5 yards, one touchdown, one pick. When blitzed, 21 for 30, 
211 yards at 7.03 yards per pass when not blitzed 28 for 39 331 yards two touchdowns and a pick so getting pressure on mac jones is the way you beat him for most quarterbacks that's true Getting into third and long is a great way to really get you into those best looks, and that's not unique to Miami. But utilizing this deep defensive backfield, bringing pressure looks from multiple spots and the multi-talented guys, and force those quick decisions in an offense that didn't look, you know, in mid-season form in the preseason, you speed that thing up. And that's how you get one of those plays from Xavier Howard like he made last year. And in this matchup, I think if you go no turnovers, no big plays in terms of sacks and, you know, field flipping, I think it'll be a close game that goes in the Dolphins' favor. But if you get a couple of these mistakes that can swing the game, that's when I think things get out of hand in the Dolphins' favor. And those third and long situations against this offense, your pressure packages, that's how you can create those. That's why it's a big key in this game. And as we know, Brandon Jones and Javon Holland, number one and two last year in terms of DB pressures on pro football focus. Eric Rowe could see plenty of work in this game, especially against the uh, Titans. The Patriots, many two tight end packages, very, very important aspect of this game on both sides of the ball. Quarterbacks versus the safeties, big key matchups. As far as the Patriots receivers and tight ends versus the Miami cornerbacks, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers are listed as the starters. We know firsthand how Aguilar can get vertical. Did it in that Raiders game back in 2020. Jacoby Myers is a polished route runner that Jones loves to go to in big situations with trusted hands. Very curious to see how Miami plays it, how they match up, who goes where when the third receiver comes onto the field. Is it Nick Needham outside? Does he go back into the slot? And is that Kendrick Bourne According to the depth chart here on Patriots.com, another guy who's reliable and dependable. And then, of course, Devontae Parker is fourth on their depth chart. The tail of the tape for those four guys. Aguilar, 62.7% catch rate, 12.3 average depth of target, 4.4 rack average, and 7 of 13 contested balls last year. Jacoby Myers caught 68.5% of his targets for 10.3 yards average depth of target, 3.4 rack average, 19 of 28 contested balls. There's a theme here. Kendrick Bourne, 82.1% catch rate, 9.6 A dot, 5.2 rack average, and 8 of 11 contested balls. And then Devontae Parker, 54.8% catch rate, 12.4 depth of target, 2.7 rack average, and 14 for 30 on contested balls. This is a game that's played within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, mostly, right? This league. Well, the Patriots threw... 92% of their passes under 10 yards last year. This is a group that you have to be really strong at the catch point against because as you can see, they make lots of contested catches. What that also means is they don't really separate all that well as all four of those guys can run after the catch. They have good strength, but the separation aspect of it is not their strong point. And that's why this tough physical press style defense with this rush packages on third and longs becomes so key because it's a matchup that just favors the Dolphins in so many ways. But you also have to be careful to not get aggressive and sneak up on guys because Aguilar can get vertical and we know Devontae Parker can grab those deep contested balls as well. Also on offense, this was designed to get them run after the catch. Also have to be hyper aware of the screen game. Tackle, tackle, tackle on the perimeter. This receiving core with the tight ends with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith is full of guys that can make plays after the catch. On the O-line versus D-line, not sure what to make of this matchup. The Patriots have had so much continuity here, and they still do, but they've been working on changing it up from that gap power scheme to more wide zone stuff. And I think you'd be crazy to just assume they're going to do one thing. So being prepared for anything is key. Controlling the point is such a key because of that third down situation again. Win early, you'll win late. Christian Wilkins, Zach Sealer, Raekwon Davis, Emmanuel Ogba, when the backers come down off the line, it's so crucial for all of those guys to win at the point of attack 
attack and get those early down wins. You've got the rookie Cole Strange at left guard. I have to imagine you want to throw a ton at him in terms of your games. Super athletic. You do not want to let him get into good position on those stretch runs. Also have to have an answer for big Mike Unwenu. Uh, he has had some dominant games against us. This is a big Dolphins defensive line and a big Patriots offensive line. Interesting tale of the tape in the running game is the pass in the pass rush game. The Patriots will certainly call on the help of their tight ends and backs with all the rush options Miami has could be a big key in this game. If they get into that third long and medium and they can get those quick pressures that can allow Miami to make those splash plays that are often the difference in these matchups and potentially a big swinging difference in this matchup. So some of that bleeds into the linebacker position here, but I'm curious to see if Van Ginkle is good to go. His speed against Trent Brown's sheer mass is a fascinating matchup. I'm curious to see where Jalen Phillips get most of his chances because I think they'll probably double him. He has a, a good a good matchup against a bunch of these guys. Curious to see where he lines up with its Isaiah Wynn, Trent Brown, and where he gets his rush snaps. Uh, running backs and linebackers. Mentioned the screen game earlier. That and the way they pick up blitzes at the position is going to be a key. Damian Harris is really adept at it. His pass pro numbers are, are very, very good. In general, week one is always a test of a team's tackling. And between Harris and uh, Ramondre Stevenson, man, you better bring your lunch pail and buckle that chin strap. If Miami can set the tone and cut down the run early, I think that bodes well for the four-quarter prospects of this game. Stacking up runs early, big opportunity for Landon Roberts to show his stuff, beating them in the blitz packages and being disciplined against the screen. Big keys for the backers in this game. I think it's a benefit to have so much continuity at that spot. Uh, with regards to the opener re- regarding Jerome Baker, Orlando Roberts, Duke Riley, Sam Egwavon. Didn't really mention it a ton because it's scattered throughout the position groups, but I think it's fair to mention their tight ends here again, whether it's a safety or linebacker, they can run entire games through those guys. So I'm not sure the solution, but it's something to keep an eye on. And then finally, special teams. Every year the Patriots win in the margins. I feel really good about our three-headed special teams battery, but the same is true with the Patriots. Nick Folk just does not miss. They cover kicks well each year and find ways to flip the field Hopefully Sanders and Morstead are not needed all that much beyond point after attempts, but if they are, they've had a really good summer as well. This is a position group that really helps aiding my preview when I have the numbers. I don't think 2021 numbers are applicable here. A few more film notes. Uh, They love them some man beaters. They're going to run crossing routes. They're going to run rubs, switch releases. You have to communicate very well in that regard. I trust Sam Madison will have the cornerbacks up to speed on that. They're going to bracket the heck out of Tyreek Hill, I think. I think Jalen Waddle is such an important player in this game. It's great to have him back. Keep a big eye on number 17. Defensive back pressures. Nobody uses more blitzes from DBs than Miami last year. I think that's also a big key uh, watching the film in this game. My three keys to the game, win the one-on-one matchups on the perimeter. I think Waddle gets plenty of those, but if it's Cedric Wilson, if it's Trent Sherfield, Eric Ezukama, if Tyreek Hill gets them, win those matchups because that's going to force them out of those double teams. Sustain your drives, run more plays, you'll beat this team. I, I fully believe that. And then number three, create third and long situations for the Patriots offense. That will be an easy way to get your opportunities for splash plays. What's at stake here? Opening day, you always want to get your season off on the right foot. Tough schedule coming down the line here with three teams that most are picking for the postseason on tap with Baltimore, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. This segment is really more about potential standing implications later in the season, but we'll do it each week. And then I want to shoehorn some news in here. Our practice squad is complete. Defensive tackle Josiah Bronson played seven games last year with Cleveland and New Orleans by way of UW, same hometown of Tanner Connor, by the way, Kent Washington. Defensive end Big Cat Bryant, a UDFA this year with the Dallas Cowboys via Central Florida. Defensive tackle Christopher Hinton, UDFA with the Giants via Michigan. 
forgot that one, sorry. Cornerback Chris Steele, UDFA this year with Pittsburgh via USC. Offensive tackle Keon Smith, you know him. He was in camp with us. The rest we have covered. Cornerback Kalen Barnes, tackle Larnell Coleman, receiver River Craycraft, offensive lineman James Empey, linebackers Cameron Good and Porter Gustin, safety Verone McKinley III, wide receiver Braylon Sanders, defensive tackle Niall Scott, defensive tackle Ben Stilley, and running back Zaquandre White. All right, tomorrow it's Football Friday. I need your questions on the game on the Twitter mailbag at Wingful NFL. We'll pick all the games. We'll look at the weekend in college football, and we'll welcome in the great Taylor Kyles of NFL Research, an avid tape grinder and former Patriots writer. Very excited to welcome him into the show. That's tomorrow. In the meantime, that's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank with Seth and Juice, our Wednesday Twitter Spaces show every week at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Check out the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, Fish Tank and Drive Time content and all the media availabilities. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Daddy's coming home.